And here we go! <laughs> this is the Ignite Rock Podcast. This is your host, Ahmed Khalifa, and this is where I talk to creative individuals who have created some awesome stuff using WordPress. Man, I'm so excited. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me today. I'm so shocked that you are actually spending your time here with me today on episode 14 of the Ignite Rock Podcast. So awesome. And today is going to be a good one because today I'm going to be talking to Alexandria Blaylock, an author, blogger and philosopher from Melbourne, Australia, who has followed her passions and released books after some major life and health decisions in her life. And it's really, really good conversation, really good interview, so many insights, which I'm sure you will pick up. If you want today's show notes, they are available on ignitewalk.com forward slash episode 14. In the meantime, just sit back, relax, and just enjoy my chat today with Alexandre Blaylock, and I'll catch you at the end of the interview. And here we go, everyone. This is going to be an exciting one today. I have Alexandria on the line today, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Massive time difference, but we made it work, and I'm so glad we made it work because I've been wanting to talk to Alexandria for a bit. And I think it's going to be very, very interesting. So thank you very much for coming on the line. I really appreciate your time for being here. And I guess I guess I want to start off with just a little bit about yourself. So tell everyone about who you are, what you do, and how did you get to where you are today? Hi, Ahmed. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, my name is Alexandria Blaylock. I write books and I have a blog. Um I've wanted to write books for a long time, but it's one of those things that most people would like to do with children and then they grow up and they get proper jobs and um, they earn proper money and get proper mortgages and writing books isn't always very good for achieving any of those grown-up goals. But for me, I had a kidney disease and I became very ill before I had a kidney transplant and I had to give up work. So when the kidney transplant came through, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that after being so sick, I needed to do something that was worthwhile. Um, The kidney that I got came from a deceased donor. So somebody, presumably that somebody else loved a great deal, um, has given me the gift of their continued life, and I wanted to make that something worthwhile. And I wanted other people to wake up and pay attention to their own lives and to stop living them on autopilot and to choose what they were going to do next. Um, It's going quite well so far, um, but (laughs) I think it's a bit of a shame that we all need to have something awful to really make us sit up and pay attention to what we're doing and to choose our next step. And and it's a good point because, you know, sometimes you have to be you know, someone needs to shake you to realize, you know, what you have right now is valuable. You want to make use of your time. And it took you something like this, a major, major um, incident in your life to make you think, right, I really want to make other people think about what they're doing with their time and stuff like that. So it's a very, very interesting story, very powerful story. So, um, you know, really thank you for, for sharing that. So quite amazing to hear that. And one thing, you know, when I, when I look at your website, you know, you're displaying your books and, um, 
you know, I, I want to read a quote that you've mentioned and you said about, you know, you write personal development books describing how rational thought about activities, like getting dressed and feeding your friends, can lead to the kind of pleasure that makes life worthwhile. And it's quite a philosophical way of thinking, isn't it, um, It's really kind of deep and powerful thinking about your own lifestyle. I hope so, because everything that you do has a flow-on impact in some way or other. And as people, we have a tendency to jump to negative conclusions about things. And if you're, you know, like in the jungle running away from tigers or whatnot, um, leaping to negative conclusions is absolutely the best way to stay alive. But if you're sitting on the train and somebody is looking at you, um, it, it doesn't mean that something negative is going to happen. It might be that they think, gosh, they like your hair or um, that they might not actually be looking at you at all. They might just be coming up with strange and interesting thoughts about things. You wouldn't sort of think that if you didn't think that. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's just what we were saying before that, you know, you, don't, you wouldn't think about it until someone kind of pointed it out to you, really. Um, and so it's one of these things that uh, someone needs to remind you about the good things you have in life and stuff like that. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I guess personal development books, you know, I, I read a lot of them. And there are so many things there, it's so obvious that you need someone to point it out to you. And when they have been pointed out to you, you're thinking, wow, that's such a good point. And you understand it more, you realize it more. So, um, you are exactly right. I used to say that all the time that, you know, sometimes things are just so obvious that somebody has to tell you. You can't yeah. see them for the look. It's like when you open the fridge and you're looking for the mustard and it's right in front of you, but you just can't see it because it's just not there as far as you're concerned. And I find often riding on the train, because I do that a lot, that you overhear really interesting things. And in our modern times, so often you hear people talking about things that they don't know anything about because uh, their mother or their parents haven't told them because their parents have been working and their grandparents haven't told them because their grandparents have been working. So there's generations' worth of knowledge that has been lost because there's nobody to tell us. And I'm afraid I've been very naughty because I've tended to discount almost every single thing my mother ever said to me because she's old and she doesn't understand but actually there's valuable lessons that she could have given me had I actually listened and so my books I hope are an attempt to bridge that gap that for example how do you have a dinner party if you'd never seen your mother have a dinner party if you'd never been to a dinner party you wouldn't know what to do and um, that book was written because I overheard a conversation on the train and the um, my building a signature wardrobe book was came out of the fact that I had no idea how to buy clothes. When I had my kidney transplant, I dropped two dress sizes and had to figure out how to get dressed again uh, because I needed to buy everything. And it's very easy to spend a lot of money on clothes that you don't need, but if you sort of sit down and think logically about it, then you'll have a better idea of what clothes you actually need and what clothes you actually don't. And it's kind of something that, I don't really think about it in a logical sense that you're saying it because I just buy it. And uh, so if you're saying, like, you know, there's something that you should sit down and think about, you know, maybe read a book about it, it's not something that anyone would think about, you know, immediately in their head. So it's quite interesting that you say that, you know, the simple things in life, just a bit of guidance can make a, a you know, big difference in your own lifestyle and 
you know, makes it all worthwhile, like you said. So it's really, really interesting because I've never really read these kind of books myself as much as <laughs> I love personal development books. I've never ever thought about these kind of books, so I found that really, really interesting anyway. So uh, just out of curiosity, how many books have you written so far? I have two books that have been published. I'm just putting the finishing touches on one uh, which is about managing your money. It's going to be called Holistic Personal Finance and it's about managing your money to fit your life rather than fitting your life to the money that you have, Um, which sort of came out of ruminations about the global financial crisis where lots of people lost their jobs and they didn't know how to live anymore and every time you heard personal advice that were or financial advice that would always be something useful like don't buy takeout coffee or take your lunch to work in a brown paper bag all the sorts of things that on a surface level seem like perfectly practical things to do but if you don't drink or you don't smoke and you don't eat chocolate and you, you know, having a takeout coffee might be the only luxury that you have so why would you give that up? And if you were to ask me to give up coffee, well, then I would either punch you in the face or um, get very cross because that's, you know, that's my thing is to have a nice coffee when I go out. And, you know, if I'd been on the Titanic while it was sinking, I would have been there in the first class cafe ordering my coffee while the boat was sinking because, of course, I wouldn't have been able to get into the cafe without (laughs) that boat sinking. But, you know, to give people generic advice is, is ridiculous. But coming back to living your life by choice and intention, you're the only one who knows whether you need to give up coffee or whether you should stop drinking beer or whether maybe you should start buying um, cheaper versions of French cheeses. You're the only one that can make those decisions for you and to have somebody who doesn't know anything about you telling you how to get dressed or what to eat or what to do with your money is just ridiculous. I'm glad you're saying that now because I'm trying to think in my life, oh, what... What am I wasting my time on? What am I, you know, what should I look into improving more and more? And, um, yeah, I think I need to get a copy of your book to help me uh, <laughs> understand what am I doing wrong or what can I do better? Uh, not necessarily wrong. Um, that's really interesting. And, you know, the, the thing is for, I imagine for authors like yourself is that it's a very competitive market out there for authors, regardless of what you're fiction or non-fiction and what genre you're doing and, you know, topic is very, very competitive. So how do you differentiate yourself from other authors? It's a, a little bit tricky to explain uh, because we all, all of us, every single person has their own way of expressing their thoughts and opinions. And so the way I might explain to you how you should tie your shoelaces might involve rabbits and holes and, and something like that whereas the way you explained to me how to tie my shoelaces might involve straight lines and angles or something different. It, it makes sense because what... So I'm, I'm just trying to think in my head. What you're saying is, like, everyone has their own way of doing anything and nobody can copy you. So, you know, your way of doing it is different from other people's ways of doing it anyway. And, you know, the idea is that if people resonate with you more and then, you know, that's kind of an angle that you go for so because so many people i'm sure you, you've seen yourself so many people try to replicate other people you know exactly 100 percent, and it's not always the best idea because you should always you know do what is feels right for you what you know what use your own strength use your own experience your own style because 
nobody can copy your own style. Nobody can be you at the end of the day. That's exactly right. And it's similar to when you go to school or to college that there will be some teachers or lecturers that inspire you and make you want to go out and do wonderful, marvellous things because they can reach something that's inside of you and others just make you want to crawl under your desk and have a nap while or skip their lectures altogether because their style of presentation doesn't mean anything to you. So if I don't contribute my – well, actually, that's a good point. Um, it was explained to me in relation to something else, buying something – is like going to a restaurant and ordering something from the menu. And you might go to the same restaurant every week and this week you might buy steak and next week you might buy chicken and then you might regret that so you might have steak the week after that or you might try the fish special. But if you're not on the menu, nobody can find you. And just because somebody doesn't want you this week doesn't mean that next year or five years that they might not want you. So to get the words out there, they'll be out there for a very long time because uh, copyright law being what it is, my books will be out there for the rest of my life plus 70 years afterwards, assuming that the law doesn't change in the meantime. So that's a really long time to have an impact on people. So even if it's not right now, it might be right later. That's very true. I, it's, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's a classic case of marathon, not a sprint kind of thing. And exactly. you know, it, it can kind of applies to a lot of things in life anyway. So you know, I think one thing that people should always think about is having that patience really because you can't expect an overnight success in many many cases so i i definitely agree with you on that and uh, and, and you talked about you know about having you know making sure that you are getting yourself out there and making yourself known and just making yourself visible and of course one way of doing that is to become visible online so you know with that in mind you know we're going to talk about you know being online you didn't have a website you're using WordPress, you know, we we'll always talk about WordPress over here. I'm curious, how did you come across WordPress in the first place? You know, what was your experience like? And why did you end up choosing WordPress for your own site? Around about the time that I was looking at setting up a blog and the my website started as something a bit different initially because I was going to use it as a sort of demonstration of adequacy in terms of getting paid writing, uh, which I've actually sort of segued into editing and now use the site just for my own writing. But at the time, I didn't really understand how they worked. So I, I was completing a, um, as it turns out, uh, unnecessary master's in project management. And one of the things I had to do was a research project at the end of it, partly to explain my understanding of how to run a project and partly to have an outcome. And so for my research project, I looked into how I would start a blog and what I would write and what would what um, software I would use. So I did an amount of comparison between what I knew about websites, which is mainly what I knew from my subscriptions to other people's websites. And um, as you're aware, a lot of web hosts have quite generous affiliate deals for uh, web hosting. So a lot of writers or bloggers will suggest that you should have a self-hosted WordPress website. So that was what I had the greatest exposure to. I didn't know about Wix or Squareface or, or any of those other ones. So I did a bit of research, found out about web hosting, found out how it worked and, and sort of came to understand how where my blog would be placed and how it would work and what my address was and that sort of thing. 
and I started with a free WordPress site. I sort of, I expected it to be very difficult because people said WordPress is very difficult. Uh, but it, and it was a little bit because most of us are really just exposed to using the Microsoft sort of platform and as you know, a WordPress dashboard is nothing like a Word, a Microsoft setup. So it was a little bit hard to get used to, but it, it has its own internal logic. And I think a lot of people don't really take the time to, to understand the logic behind the way that it works. And as a writer, I usually try to understand how things work so that I can explain them simply and easily to other people. But I don't know that I could change now. <laughs> it's one of these things where, you know, in the beginning people come across it and it's, it might be overwhelming for them. And um, it can put off some people, you know, when they start from a you know clean slate and they look at WordPress, for example, and having your own self-hosted WordPress site and it gets a bit intimidating. You think you don't know where to start and, you know, for some people they just don't want to touch it anymore and they get step away from it and, you know, never go back to it again. But I guess you just have to kind of bite your tongue and just go for it. And I guess most people always think that your first website or, you know, when you first publish anything, it should be absolutely pristine, perfect and, can you know, immaculate. And it's never ever the case. I mean, every single website in the world will have some kind of fault. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, but, you know, it's all about just get out there, just get started, get your website. It doesn't have to be WordPress. Just get any website and just get started. Just start writing, you know, content on their blogging or even a landing page at first and just build from there. Just go for it. And, you know, what you're yeah. saying, you know, you just, at first you're getting, doing your research, you get an idea, you know, at first it's a bit maybe a bit tricky, but you manage to get over the hurdle really yeah I think a lot of people give up too soon and particularly in writing because as I like to call it it's the long con you're not going to make money overnight with writing it's you know we've already talked about the copyright and how long it might take for a book to break even so in that sense you've got to have a bit of patience and keep going Um, I do find that I get very frustrated at times because things happen and because I really only know a little bit of surface coding I don't understand why they've happened and what I find is that um, I have to pretty much have my backups on standby so that every time I crash it, I can instantly restart it uh, because I crash it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting quite good at resurrecting it. That's <laughs> a good point. It's a very good point. And, um, you know, you talk about, you know, when you're writing, uh, you should be doing it regularly and you should do it in the long haul. And obviously, you know, you said you've been blogging Near from the beginning when you start your website, you're a regular blogger and your website, you know, you're uh, publishing uh, blog posts. So what is your routine when it comes to blogging? What kind of routine do you have? And, you know, how do you come up with, you know, topic ideas as well? The blog exists to support the books that, in theory, that you'll read the blog posts and you'll think that's really interesting and you'll sign up for my newsletter and maybe you'll think that's really interesting and maybe you'll go out and buy my books. So, in theory, it all works to generate to drive book sales. Um, doesn't always work that way because if your web host isn't very good, then your 
site isn't going to be readily available and I've just recently had to swap my website from a poorly performing host to one which I hope is better performing. Um, in one sense, I haven't lost anything because it sucked. But if I had a really good website that was it, it was performing really well before I moved it the first time, so I regret moving it the first time. Anyway, besides the point, um, because it's got a purpose of supporting the books, I have an editorial calendar. So for the whole year, I have a basic idea of where book where posts that support books will fit in amongst personal projects and sort of other things. So I have an idea of what's going to go where, but I try to publish two or three times a week. I try to keep to a regular schedule. I have them set so that they all publish at seven minutes past seven in the evening, my time, just because I kind of like the 7.07 sort of aspect of it. Wow. <laughs> that's really interesting, 7.07. Um, <laughs> that's really interesting. So so what you said, you have like some kind of like a like an editorial calendar as such. Yeah. And so do you do you um, use it in the old-fashioned pen and paper way with a post-it notes or do you use some kind of tool online to um, to help you, you know, start creating and organizing your calendar? I'm afraid that I use post-it notes and I have a notebook and I um, do the old pen and paper. Um, part of my frustration about making computer things work kind of rubs off on a lot of the project management apps that are out there and I can never quite find one that suits all my requirements. So I just use a glorified bullet journal to keep things in order. So when it comes to my editorial calendar, I basically just have the months and I will write, for example, one blog post each month to support stress-free dinner parties and there's one each month to support build a signature wardrobe. Um, I have a project that I call Project Worthwhile Life, which is a sort of public attempt to demonstrate how to make choices to live a worthwhile life. So there's one post each month with a progress report for that. I've got plenty of spaces for random things that come up and in response to other things. Um, I've theoretically, one of my goals this year is to have adventures. So theoretically, I'm writing a blog post each month for an adventure, but it's been a pretty dramatic 2017 already, so I haven't actually had much in the way of adventures. I really need to look into that. So I try to fit them into a regular routine so that if you're particularly interested in something, then you'll know that, for example, all the adventure posts come out at the end of the month and all the um, progress reports come out at the beginning of the month so that you can either track into those particular ones that you want or you might like them and read the other ones. So it gives me a structure to work to, and sometimes I'll get really good ideas. Um, one of my friends decided she was going to do a soup diet, um, which I don't quite understand the logic behind a soup diet, but that's fine. She's going to have a crack at it. <laughs> so that made me wonder whether you could have a dinner party that was entirely made of soup. So my last um, blog post was about a stress-free soup dinner party. And um, a friend of mine um, was going on a the Oxfam trail walker and has been explaining to me some of the grueling activity because the trail walker is 100 kilometres in 48 hours and he was explaining to me the difficulties of walking through bushland and, and so on for that amount of time. 
and that made me think, well, maybe you could have a breakfast dinner party. So that's a blog post that's coming up in the future. So periodically there'll be things that I hear that will start ideas or I recently um, saw, because I like to draw my pictures where possible from the State Library, partly because they're historical and partly because they're Victorian and they're Australian. And I came across a picture which unfortunately was not linked back to the 1855 article that it was attached to, but it was a drawing of a kangaroo jumping into a restaurant and it was subtitled Jumping to Conclusions or Jumping to a Conclusion. (laughs) So that's amazing. So now I've got a half-written post about how to not to jump to conclusions. So the inspiration to write them comes from everywhere. So I have a structure which keeps me on point and then I have um, space for inspirational or reactionary moments that come up with um, current events. I think it's... um... I think it's really cool that, you know, your inspirations and topic ideas, it's just kind of all around you. And it's a good point. People forget about what goes on around you and how you could even just talk about it or, you know, write about it or even tweet about it. You know, it's, uh, it's you know, whatever kind of content you do, um, there's always something that you can say and there's so many mediums you can use. So it's really interesting that you use inspirations around you, use you know, a journal and a sticky note. Frankly, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think uh, a lot of people can <laughs> resonate with you, so nothing wrong with that. I like to use, for example, Evernote, but, you know, ever, everyone has their own style, so I don't think anyone can criticize anyone about that. But, uh, you know, it, it does make me think like you are kind of a, you're a bit of a, a content machine, really, because you get kind of constantly bringing like, um, different content ideas and stuff like that because you write books and you've got your blog and and your newsletter. Do you ever find that, especially between the blog and the book, do you ever find that they can clash with each other? Because I know you said, you know, the, the blog is to support the book, but has there ever been a point where, you know what, they actually, you know, contradict each other or they clash with each other? Or do you find that it's a kind of a nice you know, relationship, and they work very, very well together. I wish they worked better together. They're like best arch enemies. They're like the doctor and the master. They um, try to think of – the way I structure it is that the books are the most important. So in theory, there should be book work that happens every day. So that might be editing or writing or looking for research materials or there should be some book going on every day because I'm an author. But I try to batch my blog posts. They're sort of, in some ways, they're like a bunch of advertising materials. So I try to sit down and write them all in a row, partly to get them out of the way so that they're done and scheduled to go out, and partly because that's a whole part of my brain that can then be devoted to the book. So it would be nice if they worked better together I'm a little bit afraid that at some point there'll be a time when I've got too many books to write blog posts for each of them and I'll have to find a better way of managing them. But I think that might be a way away first. <laughs> That's fair enough, yeah. It, it does sound like you, you've got a lot of things going on there and you know, you've got your um, routines and techniques and stuff like that. I'm interested to know, what is your biggest strength? This exact moment in time, my biggest stress is getting traffic to the website. As I mentioned, I recently moved, so I lost a lot of ground in terms of Google search responses, and I'm trying to 
sort of get my SEO working a bit better and, and trying to write a bit more relevant and trying to find those people that were keeping an eye on me and commenting and, and being in touch in the beginning when I was on um, the free WordPress. It's quite difficult because marketing to writers is its own little pyramid scheme going on there so that a lot of the information that's being sold to me has really good copywriting but really bad content or really not quite right for me content, I suppose. I shouldn't say that anybody else's content is bad, just not right for me. So I find it hard to, and a lot of it's also quite general. It's, it's either very specific for a writer at a particular part, place in their career. It's all sort of Facebook ads or now um, Amazon offers you the opportunity to buy paid advertising as well. So there's an amount of that. And last year I spent about $1,500 and got about $300 worth of sales. So it didn't seem like a really good investment of time. With two published books and one on the way, I might seem sort of more established and I at least have the two books that can trigger sales for each other. I was actually a little bit surprised that my second book triggered extra sales of my first book and I deduced that the third book will trigger um, sales of those things as well. But they're not... They're related with the idea of making a choice and working by intention, but they're not sort of directly related that you wouldn't immediately leap to the conclusion that a person who wrote a book about how to host a dinner party would write a book about how to build a wardrobe, would buy a book about how to manage your money. So there's not a lot of uh, synchronicity between them. So in some ways it's like having three separate businesses trying to manage them and sell them. And now that I've got the new one, which I hope will come out in a few months' time, I've got to try and figure out how to give that priority and how to market that one, which is quite tricky. <laughs> it's definitely tricky. Don't worry. I, I, I can understand what you're saying, and I think a lot of people can understand what you're saying. And because um, I was going to ask you, you know, what is your, um, what is one of your biggest weakness? And you're talking about, you know, bringing traffic to the site and stuff like that and making everything sync together. And um, it's, it's very, very tricky, but it's something that you kind of, develop a habit over time and you, you get better at doing specific you know tasks um, once you do it over and over again now, for example a lot of people out there they will think that they are not a good writer they don't know how to write but if they start writing you know regularly every week after a year or even less than that but after a period of time you'll see that they got better and better at writing exactly. so yeah. uh, it kind of applies to a lot of you know different skills as well so I can understand um, what you're saying, and um, it's, it's very, very tricky, but it doesn't mean that you give up. You just learn, and you apply, and then you learn from your mistake, and then you apply again. So exactly. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of these things that I try to advise a lot of people to do. So what advice do you have for anyone who wants to start their own books? Just start. Because the... People tend to look at the end, not the beginning. And the beginning of writing a book is turning your computer on and tapping a few keys or getting a pencil and writing on a piece of paper. And when you're writing a book, you don't have to worry about anything else at all. You just have to write. When you finish writing your book, then you can edit your book. And when you've edited your book, you can decide whether you want to put pictures in it or you can decide what you're going to call it. You can decide whether you even want to publish it. You don't have to publish. You can just keep it somewhere safe. There's a, um, a tradition 
one of my fam one of my friends belongs to in her family they have a book which is the story of their family so some people trace their family tree but their family book has all the stories of the people in it so they've got a book that's been going for decades and and has people in it so even if she just wrote that tiny piece about her or about her mother or about her child then you know she's she's written a book and that book will never ever be published but she's contributed a chapter to a book she's written something that's very important for future generations so it, it doesn't matter where what happens where it goes it doesn't matter how big the book is it doesn't matter how short the book is all that matters is that you just start writing very good point so basically just just do it just start um at yeah. the end of the day and and, and i think it applies again we just keep repeating ourselves that applies to a lot of things in life just start somewhere just do it <laughs> and it's funny because my my next and my last question as well really is that what advice do you have for anyone who's having trouble with using WordPress or even starting WordPress? I'm going to guess you're going to say, just do it, just start. Well, I would say take a backup. That's what I would say. Have ah. Take a backup. And bear in mind too that when you take a backup, a backup isn't an exact snapshot of what your website looks like right now. There are little things that won't necessarily translate back when you reinstall it, which I found a bit surprising, but... Um, as long as you do a backup before you start, you're generally good. And, well, yeah, I mean, I think I'm in that stage now where I need someone, I need a service that I can call when things go wrong. Um, you're probably aware that, for example, the WordFence plugin takes a really long time to run scans. And if your web host is not supportive of that, and the amount of bandwidth that it takes up to do that, then you can find yourself cut off and you can find your account throttled. So, you know, it would be great. This is my thing is I need to try and figure out how to get a word fence scan to finish. So I'm at that point where I need to, to accept that I have to find help. So a similar example would be that I don't trust myself or Google to look after my transplant. I go and see people who are trained and educated and know a lot about transplants to do that. So after a point, your website becomes a precious thing that you have to find someone that you can trust to help you take care of it. It's quite a hard one um, to do when if you're trying to find someone to help you with your website and making sure that they have the right expertise and knowledge, that is a very, very tricky thing to do. But I, I guess you know the most important thing is make sure you have that knowledge in the first place, if you know what you want, you did your research, you got an idea, but you haven't necessarily implemented it, at least that will give you a good starting point to know what you're talking about once you eventually find that person. And yeah. um, it, and it's true that in any case, eventually you will need an expert to help you. And that includes myself. I'm in no way or form am I an expert in everything related to WordPress. There's so many things that I need a special niche expert person to sort out for me. So it, it, it does apply to a lot of people, whether it's for development or design or copywriting or SEO or whatever. And, um, it, you know, there are so many things that you could do to a website where you feel like you need like a, a big team to just manage your website, really. But I definitely, you know, what I would do is even if you don't implement it, I would definitely read about it, get some research, get some knowledge about it. And then you know what you're talking about when you are looking for that person and talking to that person. So that would be my advice to 
everyone really who who listen to the show. So, and and everything you say it makes sense. You know, with with WordPress, when you start using it or you haven't started it, or you know, doesn't matter what stage you are. Once you get that starting point, then you start adding things on top of it more and more and more. So you have to have good hosting. You have to have your security and backup and all these things. Then you get the plugins and on and on, on. You know, it's it's an on, ongoing journey. If when you have a website, it's never finished, never ever finished. So yeah. So um, no, this is this been um this has been very very interesting. Really um enjoyed talking to you. And I I think I mean I, I probably could you know, unpick more and more things to talk about, but I think you can go on for hours, so let's not uh, go on for hours and hours and end, but it's been very, very interesting, uh, and I really appreciate giving me your time and and your and your effort to, and sharing your words of wisdom, and um, I'm sure everyone else would appreciate it as well. So just uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you or connect with you or find you, uh, where can they find you? The best place is to start with my website, which is alexandriablaylock.com. Um, I do have a presence on Twitter, but I find that I get really caught up in the writing and I don't check Twitter as often as maybe other people do. It's I like reading it, but I don't always contribute. So you could um, tweet me directly at, um, at Alex Blaylock, but I might not respond. <laughs> that's that's totally fine. Well, your website is a good starting point, so I'll make sure I will include that into the show notes, and everyone can find it right there. So, um, Alexandria, thanks again for your time. Thank you, Ahmed. It's been a pleasure. And that is it. Thank you, Alexandria, again for coming to the show. Really, really good chatting to you, and I really appreciate your time and sharing so many useful insights. And uh, I'm sure we could have talked for longer, but uh, I think we covered a lot today. So there are so many things that I picked up from this interview. You know, something from making the most of your time and your life, to differentiating yourself in the market, to using your surroundings as an inspiration for your content source. These are all really, really useful stuff and something that anyone who is running a website could take on board. So thank you for listening to this episode. If you want the show notes, they are on ignitebox.com forward slash episode 14. And I'll have links and all the details and transcript to this show. So I just want to ask one more thing. If you could subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, that would be so, so awesome. It would really help me to reach and teach more and more people about WordPress and about website, which is ultimately what I want to do. In the meantime, let's rock with WordPress.